is good to come to the house of God, isn't it? Amen. Let us remember to be in prayer for brothers and sisters across the nation who still are not meeting for whatever reason. Um, just uh, It's important, biblically, that we get together and that we fellowship and we got to pray for... We're blessed here. We have so many opportunities in America to meet. You could be living in China, where... There's, you're never allowed by the government to meet, and it's always an act of civil disobedience, but just a good reminder to be in prayer for brothers and sisters across the nation and across the world, that we will keep assembling as a priority, and also where it's difficult to, or impossible, that the Lord will open those doors. That's not what I'm sharing about, just thinking about that as... As just walking in, just singing with the brothers and sisters, and what a blessing it is to come and, and worship the Lord together. But the everything that's been said so far was just a perfect lead up to what I was thinking about. It, kind of two things, two things that I wanted to talk about. One was a biblical takeaway. The other one came up just as you guys were talking. It's more of a takeaway from this week. Was about Jordan Peterson. <clears throat> Who is familiar with Jordan Peterson? At least, at least recognizes the name. Who at least recognizes the name? This is people who raise their hands. So it looks like about about half of you, mostly the younger generation. Um, so Jordan Peterson is a famous thinker. I guess is probably the best way to describe him. He's a thinker, and he has written about kind of self improvement. He wrote a famous book called Twelve Rules for Life, and a lot of what he says is. He's a psychologist from Canada and a professor in, in uh, I think, Toronto University. You know, and a lot of what he says is good stuff. He tells you to do things like clean your room, you know, uh, take responsibility for your life, etc. Things that, that are related to biblical principle. And we would say, yeah, you should do that. Yes, that, that is good advice. And by his good advice, many people have been helped. But Jordan Peterson is not a Christian. And I've never really followed him much or listened to him much. But this last week, I got a hold of one of his podcasts, and I listened to, I don't know, probably an hour of him dialoguing with this other guy who is some form of Orthodox Christian, and by Orthodox, I don't mean the Orthodoxy that we adhere to. I mean to I mean the denomination of Orthodox, so with the icons and the high church and that kind Greek of... Orthodox. I, I assume some form of Greek or Orthodox, yes. So... More, more towards Catholicism than towards what we would consider Orthodox Reformed theology. Anyway, listen to him dialoguing with this guy back and forth, and it all ties into what Luke and Dad had been talking about today. It, the poor guy sounds so lost, and he gets a lot of things right. He is, it, I, I just kept thinking of the line in Acts where Paul, who is it, Festus? Somebody says to Paul, Paul, your, your great learning is driving you mad. Only it wasn't true of Paul. Paul wasn't going mad. But it is true of Jordan Peterson and this other guy. You listen to them going back and forth. And they're talking about all this philosophical stuff about order and meaning and, and purpose and the, the unity and the, how all these different things come together. And you just kind of think, okay, that's all great. What are you even talking about? Why does any of this matter? You're just thinking yourself to death. You're exploring and reaching 
And I think of the quote from, was it Lewis or Chesterton, about the philosopher who tries to cram heaven into his head. And his head will split because you can't hold heaven in your head. And here these, these two men are just going back and forth. And they're talking about Christ. But they're not talking about Christ from a position of faith in their heart. They don't know. Well, I, don't, I can't speak for the other guy. Is, is his, does his Greek Orthodox theology and his understanding allow him to believe in Christ alone for salvation? I don't know. I don't know if he's saved or not. But I will say from what he was saying, I had a lot of concerns about, about what he was saying. But certainly for Jordan Peterson, he's speaking of Christ like Jesus is a philosophical idea. And he admires Jesus as a philosophical idea. And that is not enough. And you can hear it in his voice, in his words, in his lostness and his pain and his inability to answer all of his deepest questions because he looks at Jesus and he says, wow, that is a great ideal. But he doesn't say, he is real. He is the truth. He is the Lord. I repent. I believe. That is the the missing part in his quest. And until he gets to that point, he won't have peace. He won't have answers. So he's still in the boat of the atheist because all of them are over here with the presupposition of, I determine, I decide, I analyze, I figure it out. Jordan Peterson has just, in all of his analysis, come to a point of saying that Christianity stuff has a lot of good things going for it. But Christianity is not something you, you just admire as an idea. Christianity is either true truth or it's utter folly. And those are your only two options. A kind of neat philosophical idea that helps explain matter in the universe is not one of your options. If that's all that Christianity is, then Jesus was a liar. And one of the chief apostles of Christianity said, we are the most to be pitied. Why don't we just eat and drink and be married for tomorrow we die? So whether you're in Jordan Peterson's camp Or in the atheist camp, you have to come to the point where you realize, no, none of this makes sense unless God is and God spoke. And if God spoke, then the only question that matters is what did God say? And that's what we drill down to as the foundational presupposition. Jordan Peterson has no category for grace. He sounds terrified that God existed. Well, that's because you don't know God in Christ by faith. That is the only way to have peace. He's right. He's getting... Almost, he's almost there. He's painting around all the edges, but he's missing the centerpiece, which is Christ. And until he repents of his sins and accepts the grace of God and believes the word of God, he's still going to be a lost man. And he won't have answers to his pain. So, moving from that into Matthew chapter 3. So who is this Jesus then? that Jordan Peterson needs to meet. Matthew chapter 3, Now in these days John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. All of Scripture is God's self-revelation to us, but when we look at Matthew chapter 3, we're looking at a specific introduction. This is Jesus, the Savior, the Messiah, being introduced by John the Baptist, a prophetic voice sent by God to introduce the coming Messiah. Matthew says, For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. 
Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. He was not seeker-sensitive. He was not dressed like the cool kids. He was sent on a divine mission to proclaim a divine word, and that's what he was about. And the people that came to him didn't come to him, as Jesus says later on. You didn't go to John because he was dressed in fine clothes and living in a nice house. The issue is, are we speaking what God has sent us to speak? Then Jerusalem was going out to him, and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. How many Pharisees were writing books about how to build your synagogue? Based on, (laughs) we could just style ourselves after John the Baptist. Well, it's not about his style. It's about the power of God working through him. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. This is one of the reasons that I am a cradle Baptist. I believe in the baptism of believers and not of babies because scripture ties confession of sin with baptism. Amen. And she hasn't confessed her sins yet, so she can't baptize her yet. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones, God is able to raise up children to Abraham. Baptism without repentance is meaningless. Lineage without repentance is meaningless. The Pharisees are coming to be baptized, and what does John say? Oh, good, baptism, that's, that, that's one of those steps towards, towards conversion. Good, come do it. No, he says, you guys are just faking. You guys are hypocrites. What are you doing here? Go get your heart right. Go serve God from the heart and go bear fruit, and then come get baptized. Again, we see repentance, true repentance, before baptism. But lineage without repentance is also meaningless. Yeah, you guys are descended from Abraham. But your heart is not circumcised. You haven't turned to God by faith. True repentance bears fruit. And so that leads to the question for all of us, how is our heart? On a heart level, when we come to the Jordan River and meet with John the Baptist, so to speak, is John the Baptist looking at us saying, what are you doing here? Go bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And then come talk to me. Or, are we at a heart level, at a place of repentance, walking with the Lord, bearing fruit unto the Lord? Because it was already mentioned this morning, the heart of the matter is the matter of the heart. So how is your heart? That's a question we all have to ask ourselves as we walk with the Lord. Because if it doesn't go all the way down to the heart, then it's meaningless. If we are just being Pharisees, and this is a danger in our circles, in good, reformed, homeschooled, courting instead of dating circles, we're all really good at being straight-laced and keeping all the rules, and that's not enough. That's not what God is after. God is after... It's not to say that the rules are bad. It's not to say... I. I courted my wife. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad I didn't go through the, the high school dating game. I'm blessed to be a homeschooler, plan to homeschool my kids. None of the, the formulas and structures aren't bad in themselves. But the formulas and structures are bad if the formulas and structures are stuck on the outside and like a whitewashed tomb, our heart is dead man's bones. And that's true of us as adults and that's true of our kids. 
So the question is, how is your heart? Are we bearing good fruit from the heart, from faith? Or, years later, are we going to see fallout from hearts that were never really submitted to Christ? We have to pray and fight for our own hearts and for the hearts of our kids. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. It would be better to mess up all the formulas and all the structures in a messy pursuit of trying trying to obey Christ from genuine love for him, then get all the structures right and miss the heart. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees, therefore every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is... Now listen to this. This is the introduction of Jesus Christ. He who is coming after me is mightier than I, Christ is mighty and powerful. And I am not fit to remove his sandals. Christ is holy. Even John the Baptist, who Jesus says, among those born of women, John the Baptist is at the top. And he's not fit to remove the sandals of Christ. Why? Because Jesus is that holy. He is that good. He is that set apart. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Jesus is the one who gives the Holy Spirit. His winnowing fork is in his hand. He is the judge. He is the one who sifts the hearts. And that brings us back to the question, how is our heart? Where is your heart? Because Jesus is a judge who will thoroughly clear his threshing floor and he will gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. He will save his people. He will destroy his enemies. That is the Jesus whom we serve. And let us serve him with a whole heart. And let us ask that question, how is my heart? Where is my heart? Am I relying on the structures? Am I checking the boxes? Or am I walking humbly with my God? And truly bearing the fruits of an encounter with my Savior. Of knowing Him. Of hearing Him speak in His Word. Of seeing Him lead in my life. That's where we want to be. And if it's not where we are, then we've got to repent and fight to get to that place. Don't be content with being a good person, quote-unquote, or a good Christian, quote-unquote. We cannot be satisfied with anything less than knowing the one who is truly good, and that is Jesus, our Savior.